Bet365 sponsors our podcast and they feature over 300,000 sporting events on their betting app. It's got everything you need to bet on sports. Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets including first, last or anytime goal scorers with over 45 million members. It's the world's favourite online betting company. With the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more to create your own personalised bets. And if you can't watch the games live with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company and the app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store over 18s only. Please gamble responsibly. Welcome to the Molyneux View podcast with me, Jackie Oatley, and Tim Spears in a very glamorous location after the match at Molyneux. Where are you exactly, Tim? Uh, quite a random car park on Waterloo Road in the shadow of, of the Golden Palace. Oh, Billy Wright is looking down on you. We are absolutely delighted to be joined by the scorer of one of Wolves' finest ever Premier League goals, in my very humble opinion. It was spectacular. The former Wolves midfielder, David Jones. Welcome, David. Hi, Jackie. What a goal that was, that donkey kick on the opening day against Stoke, which I cannot believe (laughs) was a decade ago, for goodness sake. Happy memories of that? Yes, very happy. Just... um... Reliving it with my friend Carl Henry today. Um, you know, he sent me a link and uh, yeah, he always claims assist for that one. So uh, he was happy to see it on Twitter. Best assist ever. I mean, now I have twisted David's arm into getting a Twitter account. So do follow him at David Jones underscore 14. And I tweeted out that goal. So have a little look at it. Now, right. We are speaking after Wolves 1, Manchester City 3. And for goodness sake, it was such a game of two halves. It could have been very different. David, what's your analysis of what you saw? I thought it was a very difficult game for Wolves. Um I noticed something in the first five minutes and I just thought, you know, if Man City pass this ball like they can do, I think Wolves are going to struggle. And especially for 50 minutes, um, I thought it was a struggle until Wolves seemed to change something. And, um, you know, to be fair, they could have been back in the game. What do you think it was that wasn't right in the first half? Because Nuno said in his post-match press conference, we were not comfortable in the first half. We didn't find the right points to press and recover. We were better second half. We created chances, more dynamic. We knew one goal could change everything. And they believed to the end, but we have a lot of things we must improve. It just wasn't clear what exactly wasn't right in that first half. Um, The key thing for me was the position of Neto. Um, You know, I noticed in the Sheffield United game that... Neto played in a slightly different position um, where it wasn't a, their usual 3-4-3 three, three formation. It was He was playing more of a, a deeper midfield role and looking to spring from there. And it's kind of one of those positions that I kind of call it an in-between position. And against, especially against top teams, if you've got players that play in these in-between positions and you've got a team like Man City that pass it really quickly, I find it difficult for them to to press you know I've been there myself where it's been very difficult to to get a full press on and you have to work really hard and if 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 for example Man City pass it the way they do then you really struggle and I think that's what happened. 
do you think they were affected by the absence of Marcel? Joey Hep says, I like Vinagra, but the lad definitely isn't as defensively minded. Did that have an effect, do you think, losing him after just seven minutes? I think it always disrupts um, how you've planned for the game. It's, you know, it's definitely a negative. And I didn't like the way that he defended for the for the for the penalty um i think that was an example of where um this in between position that i didn't like of um of neto in the first half um man city really made them pay and with with neto not being able to get out wide quick enough and with vinagre not i didn't think he played the position that well on that instance um it caused um caused a problem for the penalty as well as that there were so many individual errors being made i mean i haven't i haven't seen a wolfside sort of outplayed like that for for a while really it was it was it looked like men against boys to me which you don't i don't think you ever get with wolves certainly in, in the premier league that i've seen and the, the 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 passing success rate was terrible um they weren't tracking their runners very well either and then i think an issue was getting upfield and i was really frustrated david i don't know if you agree by Traore's first half position because he he had city on toast last season on in two games they were frightened of him but he didn't really get the chance to run at Mendy. He was playing far too deep for me. I know it's hopefully just going to be um, a short-term fix before they get well two right wing backs in. But um, but that was a real frustration. You want your danger man on the ball, don't you? And he was he was just far too deep. Yeah, definitely. He you know he's not he's not known for his defensive duties. He's you know he, he can do it and he can do a job, especially maybe against the lesser teams in the league. But you want you know Traore to be affecting him behind and and attacking and yeah City pushed him back and uh, nullified the threat of him really and as you said there was, there was mistakes made by Wolves but I always feel that when you're not set up right which I felt that they weren't it I've been there myself where you just it's just impossible to find a pass I can see why he wanted to bring Neto in inside a bit more so they would have this these options in between Man City, but you never get the ball and you never get control. And when you do get it, you're massively out of breath and you can't, you you just can't get on the ball. So it's just, I just find that it all starts from the way that they were set up. And as you said, there were mistakes, but I think there, there were reasons for that. So at halftime, we thought perhaps he's going to change something. I wanted maybe he'd bring Leander Dendonka in, maybe Oscar Burr, a right wing back. But of course, Nuno was hampered by the fact that he'd been forced into that very early substitution. He didn't want to play all his cards too soon. But there was a clear change of approach in the second half. So from what you saw, what do you think Nuno actually said at halftime? I think after five minutes, they changed the position of Neto again. I know I keep banging on about Neto's position, but they switched him over to the right. And it just seemed after 50 minutes that the, the shackles were off and they were used to what they're normally doing. When you've been told to... I know they played this against Sheffield United. It seemed seemed like they did play the same formation against Sheffield United. But when you play against a top team and you're not used to playing that exact, that exact position, I think after 50, 55 minutes, the shackles were off and they could play their normal football and the counter-attack, which we know that Wolves are brilliant at, um, that they've done for, for a few years now... Um, that's what caused them problems. And straight away, you know, it was an instant 10 minutes of chances for Wolves and could have got back into the game. So, again, I know you can say that there's, you know, mistakes and things, but I just I just think it's a simple um, tactical change which makes a massive difference. I've got to say, the um, performance of Pedence in that second half was just absolutely unreal. He really he really took the game to them. Our producer, Adonis, won't thank me for saying it, but he, he, he did compare him to Eden Hazard last week and we might have had a bit of a chuckle about that, but there was a bit of the Hazards about him in that second half. <laughs> um, and that, that nutmeg on 
De Bruyne for the equaliser. I mean, you want to you want to have heard the noise I made in the press box of that one. That was um, that was sensual. But but he, he could have had a couple squeal? of goals as well. It was, <laughs> it was more of a groan, really. I'm not I'm not going to repeat oh, it God. right now. Oh. But um, but I thought he was excellent. And you know what? He set up one for Jimenez at Sheffield United. He set up one tonight for Jimenez. He's already got more assists in the Premier League than Diogo Jota managed in the whole of last season. So you know we're looking for positives here. And um, and I, th- I thought he was fantastic. Yeah, he looks a top player, great skill, great balance, uh, retains the ball well and is, is a threat, had good pace. And as you said, did great for the goal, great little nutmeg and then great ball in and a, and a superb header as well. Four really good chances in five minutes. Really good chances. The first one, Pedence turned Mendy and shot just just wide. Neves, really weak shot after Pedence, for some reason, left it for him again, coming from Adama on the right-hand side. So I think we've got an idea of what Nuno said to Adama at halftime. And Pedence cleaned through, lifted it too high over Edison, and then Jimenez inexplicably just wide with his left foot past the left-hand post. And it was just extraordinary the way the game completely changed. And then that goal back on 78 minutes, Pedence nutmegging De Bruyne, as, as Tim said. It was something to watch back. I think the um, the Wolves Twitter feed will have some fun probably with that tomorrow just because it was probably the highlight of the match. Um, and a wonderful header from Raul. And and then towards the end of the game, I mean, if you cast your mind back to the first half and how thoroughly outplayed Wolves were, I mean, it was embarrassing at times. And the commentator Rob Hawthorne on Sky said... City have to live with four more minutes to try to see out this victory. Andy Hinchcliffe, the summariser, Wolves will be kicking themselves. They haven't taken a point out of this. And then was the the killer blow right at the end. But did you feel that in stoppage time, when City were clearly trying to run down the clock, obviously, as you would, did you feel that Wolves maybe just needed a little bit more intensity, that they were almost almost settling for a a narrow 2-1 defeat, having improved so much in the second half? I think the resurgence that they showed in the second half, um, that spell, um, they kind of, yeah, last last 10 minutes, they didn't really, they sort of huffed and puffed, but didn't really have that intensity, like you said, to go and get that equaliser. And uh, it kind of fizzled out, really, from a Wolves' point of view. So, so yeah, I agree that it just, maybe, you know, it's difficult when Man City are passing the ball the way they are. Maybe they just didn't have it in them to be able to, to push on for that equaliser. Is one of those where you wish you wish that Molyneux was full tonight because yeah they did Wolves did lack a bit of intensity at the end. I remember the three two here back in December. The atmosphere was incredible that night when Wolves came from from two nil down again uh, to beat Man City that night. I don't know, maybe it's a bit simplistic, David. You'll know, but um, maybe the fans would have made a real difference oh, no. and pushed them on no. at the end because yeah they oh. just didn't create a chance after the after the after the goal, which was a shame. Hundred percent agree with the fans, and it just increases your intensity. It's just, it's just so much. You know, it just gives you such a lift. So, so yeah, that would have been a, a big, big advantage for Wolves when they were back in the game to be able to push on for that equaliser if they had the crowd. Just talk us through that, David, because um, you know, as brilliant at football as Tim and I are, and <laughs> we are outstanding. Um, what's that noise? Um, we've not been out Molyneux with it when it's absolutely packed and the fans are absolutely 100% on their game. What is that feeling? What is that noise like? And what does it do to you as a player? Probably the things that you'd think. It just gives you a lift. It's that extra 5 or 10% to make um, that extra run, to keep going. You know, even stuff that you wouldn't know. You know, you know I'm personally a player that will run all day, but 
even even for me, you know, sometimes I might think I'm not going to close that ball down and I'm not going to give that extra little bit. The crowd, you know, especially a crowd, you know, at Molyneux, um, you definitely feel that feel that energy. As you said, you you've got like our you know thirty thousand fans. You, it definitely transfers that energy, and it can work both ways. You know, if it, if it's a tricky night and there's a certain negative energy about it, it can drain you. But when you've got the, the crowd behind you, like you would have at making it two one, then it would definitely push you on for the last ten minutes. That's for sure. I think like the, there's a lot of there's a lot of disappointment at the result. But Jackie, you made. I thought you made a really good point on Twitter in the first half, which I then stole and used later in the game, that um, none of Wolves' new signings were on the pitch for most of the game until Silver came on. And that's 85 million quid's worth of talent that they've spent money on. And and then you you, you look at Doherty and Jota not being there as well. So as you pointed out, Jackie, it was was a weaker team than last season for Wolves, which which has got to have a bearing on it. And... um, I'm, I was alarmed by that first half performance, but overall, I'm not too disheartened. Um, and once these new signings bed in, and you look at Traore at wing back, and obviously that's not going to be a problem now because Semedo, who we expect to sign today, as in Tuesday, will come in. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they how they develop and integrate these guys over, over the coming weeks. Just say, David. Just say, Semedo had have signed early and had have been available tonight. How would you have expected Wolves to line up? Would Adama still have started? What would have happened to Neto, Pedence, for example, and the shape of the side? Yeah, he would have come in for Triori and probably pushed him further up the field. It would have been a selection issue for the front three, I'd say. Um, but, you know, what Samido can do, he, you know, he's a top player. As you said, to lose to lose a player like Doherty and then be able to get Samido, you know, he should, it's kind of, increasing the level already because in terms of Doherty you think he's still he's still got something to prove to be a top player but Samido you know already has been at a top club as at Barcelona and played for for the national team and he's you know a ready-made you know ready-made top player. Just going back to that awful first half of Wolves, you know, when they were playing really, really badly and City were just cutting through them time and time again. Do you know, Tim, what it reminded me of? I remember when Bully and Tomo signed in the mid 80s oh, and the first thing that happened was they went to Chorley. <laughs> yeah, they well, went to Bolton um, to play Chorley in the FA Cup. And, yeah. uh, and they watched that shocking performance, the lowest <laughs> point of Wolves history. And they looked at each other and, and were like, what on earth have we done here? Do you think Samedo was watching that first half thinking, what the bloody hell am I doing? Leaving Barcelona what? for this shower. Samedo <laughs> and Hoover driving, driving up in a Ford Cortina, were they? And like, what's going on here, Bath? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I see scenario. you mean. It's, it's an interesting 2020 comparison. Um, no, I, t- I tell you what, though, on a serious point, the um, the team selection at West Ham is going to be fascinating because you w- I think you would expect Samedo to come in after a few days training. But w- w- where does Traore play? Is is he going to go go back to the super sub role now? Because you know you can't drop Pedence. He seems to like Neto in a slightly deeper role now. So where exactly does Traore you know fit in? He can't drop Pedence. So I'm not I'm not sure where exactly he plays for now. Maybe it is back on the bench. Yeah, it's a difficult. What do you think? It's a it's a horses for courses situation that you know he'll obviously make his selection according to the opposition. But but it is an interesting conundrum and a welcome one. He'll go down to form and what player takes his chance. so yeah, Traore, you know, against anybody, you'd want him to play. You know, he, he strikes fear in another team, doesn't he? You know, with that pace and that, you know, that power, 
you know, nobody really wants to be facing him. So you've got to always think about that in terms of the selection. But it's those front three tonight that, you know, they work their socks off and they are a threat. Um, I know they, you know, first half especially, they, they didn't get much chance, but it's going to be a difficult one. But if Wolves are going to make this um, jump, they're going to have a bigger squad with better players and, and, and maybe there's not a set 11 every week. It has to change and, and develop and adapt to who they're playing. And just finally, David, before we wrap and uh, and Tim talks to us about the transfers and, and what's been going on there, um, what are your overriding impressions of what Wolves can and should achieve this season? With the manager, he always seems to take players and make them better. So that's a great thought to have about the players that they're bringing in, young players that you've signed that are, you know, unproven but have great quality. Um, so I think the... This season, I think Wolves will only get better and better. I'm just, as I said, I can't speak highly enough of, of the manager and what he does with players and how he sets up his team. Um, and I think it's an exciting season ahead for Wolves. And from what I've seen, you know, it's not maybe not tonight in terms of the first half performance, but from the quality of players and and what they've done in the past, I think they'll only get better. So it's you know could be top six this year. Nice positive way to end your uh, first uh, first appearance on the Molyneux View. Thank you so much, David. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Jackie. Thanks, Tim. Really enjoyed it. And apologies in advance for introducing you to Twitter because you don't know what you've let yourself in for now. <laughs> At David Jones underscore 14. Be nice to him. Be nice to him. He deserves it. He's a top lad. Thank you so much. Hi there, I'm Mark Chapman from the Athletics Ornstein and Chapman podcast. And I'm here to tell you that this show is brought to you by Hims. If you haven't heard of them, they're basically your best mate when it comes to those tricky men's health problems. Now, balding is an awkward topic for men, yet a lot of us start to lose our hair before we hit 40. And the best way to take control of hair loss is to do something about it while you still have some. Hims was created to make it easier for guys to seek care, especially guys who avoid seeing their doctor in person for awkward health issues. Not everyone wants to have personal conversations face-to-face -face with a stranger in a white coat. So, Hims connects you to real doctors online, which could save you hours. It's completely confidential and discreet. You'll get a proper consultation and they'll give you sound advice on what you can do to help your hair before it's too late. It couldn't be easier to book your free consultation. Just go to forhims.co.uk slash athletic. So that's F-O-R-H-I-M-S, F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot co.uk slash athletic. And you can also listen to me on the Ornstein and Chapman podcast. It's myself, David Ornstein, and the athletic stable of expert writers bring you unrivaled insight into the biggest stories in the game every single week. Tim, since our last podcast, Wolves have lost to championship side Stoke. That's despite £67 million worth of talent up front for almost the last half hour or so, as well as Triori and the rest of the first team. They've sold Diogo Jota to Liverpool. We all saw that coming. Kiana Hoover signed from Liverpool. And now, at the time of recording, Wolves are very close to signing right wing back Nelson Semedo from Barcelona. Not Barcelona B or some part-timers near Bradford or something, the actual Barcelona for the best part of £30 million. I mean, what is going on, please? 
It's been a busy week, isn't it? Do you know, Muggins here decided to have Friday off, thinking I would have a nice long weekend because we're not playing Man City till Monday. And I was sat outside a nice, I was sat outside Costa and it was a beautiful sunny Friday afternoon. And then all these texts start coming in and then all these phone calls start happening. <laughs> and, then, and then I work three days in a row <laughs> instead of having three days off. But it's all fun and games, isn't it? Mental, just a mental few days. It has been a, med, a, a mad, <laughs> a mad, mad, mad few days. Well, just can you? Um, I mean, what what you're good at, Tim, and what frankly we want from you, please, my dear. This this, is... this won't take long if you're going to list what I'm good at. <laughs> we want your insight. It'll be a short pod. What has been going on? behind the scenes at Molyneux because we've all seen the social media activity we've all seen who they've signed and and what's gone on in the public eye but what's gone on behind the scenes please the the Jota deal is is the most interesting I mean um it happened very 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 quickly for such a big deal it happened very quickly um and obviously he wasn't selected for Stoke and that's during that game was when I first kind of heard that Liverpool were interested um, and then 24 hours later he's basically signed on the dotted line already. But to start this tale we have to go back to the end of last season really when Jota was really struggling for form. One goal in eight he ended the season with. Missed a few glaring chances. People will remember that one against Villa when the keeper dropped the ball and he sort of blazed it over and then there were, I remember there was a one-on-one one against Everton when he was through and he's Oh, you just I remember thinking as he got the ball and we discussed it on the pod at the time I remember thinking he's not going to score this and he didn't and I know he scored later in that game against Everton but that was his only goal in eight and his confidence just didn't return and he started three of the last eight games of the season and arguably well no definitely for me the lowest point of his Wolves career came just last month when he didn't start against Sevilla in the uh, Europa League quarterfinal and he wasn't even first sub you know when Nuno needed to change the game it was Pedro Neto who came on, not not Diogo Jota, who only arrived in the 81st minute. So Nuno had already decided at that point, I believe, that Jota was going to move on this summer, um, identified as someone that they could um, get a large transfer fee for, that was obviously a very good player, but expendable. Um, that continued into this season when he didn't start against Sheffield United last week, which wasn't really picked up on at the time. I don't think we discussed it in Monday's post-match pod. Um because it was just, yeah, Pedence and Neto, that seems fair enough. But obviously with hindsight we know it was because Nuno didn't want him to get injured. Um, the reasoning to decide to let him go was kind of fourfold really. I mean, one one would be that inconsistent form. And again, this is something we've spoken about a lot. You know, he does score in streaks. We know he's a bit of a confidence player. Liverpool will hope to knock that out of him as they, as they have done with Sadio Mane. And that's one of the reasons why they, you know, they haven't been put off by that inconsistent form. Um, two, I think Nuno felt... I think Nuno felt he kind of reached his peak at Wolves, really. Um, I know that might sound strange, so we think he's going to get better, but I think they think that he's done all he can at Wolves um, and sort of reached his peak. And, you know, things happen in cycles and sometimes a change of scenery and playing in a better team can improve you as a player. I think that they feel like they've got the best out of him. Um, this change in style, which is the most interesting thing happening at Wolves at the moment for me, um, in terms of Jota's sort of the ultimate counter-attacking player, really, um, is he as adept in a kind of a possession-based game? I think he potentially could be because he's so skillful and, and adaptable. But I think Wolves felt they've got Pedence, they've got Neto, and they've got Traore, you know, to back up Jimenez as they go through this change in style and change in culture. And I think for this is a classic example of Foson's transfer strategy. They've they've bought him for thirteen million. You know, he came over um, for the, in, in the Championship, and three years later, well, two years after he signed because he's had that first year on loan, he's been sold for a gigantic profit. And anyone who's kind of, you know, gutted or angry about him going, as soon as you see that fee, 
I think you, you obviously take it. It's raised a lot of eyebrows across the football world. Um, the key to getting it done quickly was Wolves' flexibility on this. Wolves will only receive four million pounds this year for Diogo Jota, which is which is peanuts. However, this is why they've been able to get the forty-five million that they will get from Liverpool. I think Wolves would probably have accepted a fee of around thirty, thirty-five straight, straight up flat fee. But Liverpool, who had been looking at Saar from Watford um, before feeling that deal wasn't right for them financially, they don't have the disposable funds um, for that this season, this summer. So that you know they haven't got a lot of disposable income right now. But um, but in time, Wolves will get that that forty one million minimum, perhaps forty five with add ons. So it's an agreement that suits all parties, which is quite rare these days. I think it's an an outstanding financial deal for Wolves. I think it's a wonderful move for Jota from Wolves' subs bench, you know, to Liverpool's and the prospect of one injury away from playing for the world champions. Great move for him, fantastic. And it also could be end up being a fantastic deal for Liverpool. You know, it could end up being cheap. That that's how good he is. Um, I mean, it's sad. I, I, I love the guy, I love watching him play. I think it's, it's sad that he's not going to rise to the top with Wolves if Wolves get there. I always thought that he would do. That's how he liked to play football manager, taking Telford from, from the bottom to the top and it's how he sort of sees himself in football as well. Um, very likeable guy. He was very quiet and shy when he arrived and his English wasn't great but that really improved and he was great to interview, you know, really came out of his shell. I remember him making me look like a right idiot when I asked him if he'd watched himself on Match of the Day and he said he'd never even heard of it in the middle of an interview, which was a bit <laughs> awkward. Um, but yeah, I interviewed him in the summer about his love of football manager on Zoom and that was um, that was great fun. So many memories, Jackie. That Man United goal, I'll remember it for the rest of my life. I really will. I was, I was watching videos of it yesterday and getting goosebumps watching it again. Um, but looking at the bigger picture, this is what happens in football and this is what Wolves need. Um, to evolve you know again we spoke about this at the end of last season you know you can't be a counter-attack specialist team and, and, and be a regular in the Champions League so this is part of their evolution they feel very confident in what they're doing and it's been a, it's been an absolutely fascinating window so far it has and uh, listening to Nuno's press conference he said we did the deal because we believe it was good for everybody as you've just said. I know Diogo was really happy here, but it's normal that players like to face new challenges in their career. So joining Liverpool is a good move for him. It's the hat-trick against Leicester that I particularly remember him for because that was just the most astonishing game and the you know the counter-attacking and the swashbuckling and the, the drama. It was absolutely extraordinary. And the fans in the ground as well. What are your memories? I remember when he left... James Chester and Robert Snodgrass on their arses at Molyneux when Wolves beat Villa 2-0 on a special night. You know, Wolves had started that championship season brilliantly, but we were, I think we were all waiting for the bubble to burst. But then when big old Villa came to town, tail between their legs, and we absolutely ravaged them 2-0. I mean, it was it was a 2-0 hammering and that Jota goal. Oh, the noise that night was incredible. Uh, Leicester, as you mentioned... Palace away last season when equalising the last minute. Wolves were proper doom and gloom at that point. They were down to 10 Oh, that's men. a turning point. Huge turning yeah, point. Yeah, they were bottom two at the time, losing 1-0 with 10 men, and then he popped up last minute equaliser. And also, oh, a weird one with the FA Cup semi at, um, at Wembley. I just remember him having a fantastic game that day. And just his ability in that six-month purple patch when he played up front with Jimenez and they had that kind of telepathic understanding. His ability, every time he got the ball near halfway... Within two seconds, he'd be 40 yards upfield and he'd probably be fouled at that point. He just had this kind of running back ability to, to get Wolves up the field at will. He's so strong and so fearless and so direct. And uh, he's, he's, got, he's got pretty much all you want from a player, really. Like It was just that consistency that was lacking. But 
The guy's 23. Um, I think Jurgen Klopp will get the best out of him. It's also noticeable to, to see the level of respect between the two clubs, which is really nice. I think it has been evident um, after matches, but Nuno spoke very glowingly about Liverpool being the right club for him. And he said Jurgen will get the best out of him, which is an interesting admission for a manager such as Nuno to make. He's so good at getting the best out of players. He says Jurgen will get the best out of him, which again kind of suggests that maybe he thinks Jota might have stagnated a little bit towards the end, or certainly would do next year. Um, but like I said, yeah, the two clubs, I think they've got sort of similar philosophies in, in terms of transfers um, and maybe culturally and community clubs as well. So it's nice to see that level of respect in it because we all want to get along, don't we, Jackie? <laughs> we do, we do. I mean, he was brilliant. When he was hot, he was so, so hot. But when he was not, he was really not. And um, we wish him all the best. I thought it was really interesting when Nuno said... We're doing very well and we're providing players with a chance to join big, big clubs. And I thought, hang on a minute, is he suggesting that Wolf sign up and coming players from abroad on the basis that they can use Wolves as a stepping stone to proper big clubs traditionally in inverted commas, such as Liverpool and Tottenham with Doherty. And it was good that somebody picked up in the press conference on that point and said, do you think Wolves are a stepping stone for players from abroad? And Nuno absolutely flatly rejected that. So it's a good job it was asked because that's what I'd taken from what he'd said. And he said, we are not a stepping stone. That is definitely not our idea. Wolves is a big, big club, a big, big club. And we are proud to say that. Was it important that he made that point? Yeah. Yeah. From the outside of looking in, you think Jota, Wolves, he's first team star, great player. Oh, he's gone to Liverpool, has he? Oh, okay. Wolves are selling their best assets. Really, scratch beneath the surface, not very much really, and see that he wasn't in the team. And then it's Wolves' decision to sell him. Every club's a selling club, right? Liverpool sold Coutinho to Barcelona. Every, every, every club has to sell. But I think the important thing with the Jota and Matt Doherty deals is that they've been on Wolves' terms. And then it's Wolves who've decided to sell. And you've only got to look at the fact that, one, Nuno was grinning from ear to ear when he was when he was talking about Jota in his presser. A deal hadn't even gone through yet, and on Sky as well, he was really beaming, saying, "We love Diogo. You know, we're so happy for him. It's not like he's gutted that his best player's gone." Um, and the fact that Jota certainly at the time been sold, and as far as I'm aware, is still is this is still the case that he's not going to be replaced. So, if he was one of your best players in your first team, and you've been cherry picked by Liverpool, you'd be scrambling around for a replacement, or you wouldn't sell him until you know. He's going to be replaced. That's not the case here. They feel, and the proof will be in the pudding very soon, that in Neto, in Pedence and Traore, they've got they've got enough people in the squad to step up. Um, that's The jury's out on that one. You know, Jota scored 16 goals last season in all comps, and Doherty scored seven. And if you combine those two numbers, it's 25% of Wolves' goals last season in all competitions. Now, Nuna says he wants more goals this year. So they need to make up that 23-goal shortfall, admittedly, in the Europa League as well, um, that was. But they've got to make up that shortfall and add more goals. And the only attacker they've signed in terms of a forward is a guy who scored one goal in his career and, and he's a child, really, at 18. So we'll see how that's going to work. I've tried to, I've tried to sort of explain it this morning in a piece and how they're going to become a more attacking team, perhaps with more defensive wing-backs and attacking midfielders instead. We haven't seen attacking midfielders at Wolves in three years, but... I wonder if that's now going to be the case. We saw Dendonka pop up frequently in the Sheffield United box. Vitinha is an attacking midfielder. Neto's been playing in midfield. So I think that's the way that they're going to go. I think there is scope to say that Pedence can produce goals. 
um, and Neto Neto's got a, got a good scoring record. He got four, three no, he got three in the Premier League last season from seventeen shots, and he got one Anfield, which is chalked off because Johnny's toenail was offside. So that's that should be four goals from seventeen shots. Really, that's a fantastic ratio. So there is promise there. You mentioned correctly last week that Traore was shooting on sides against Sheffield United. Got to be more goals from that guy. Seven in all competitions last season, four in the Premier League. Not good enough for a man of his talent. So that's where they see more goals coming from. It's not going to come from the wing-backs. Um, it's going to come from the forwards and the midfielders. And that's that's a plan. Yeah, really good article there about the shortfall that Wolves need to make up of those 25% uh, of goals, which people can read on The Athletic for just a pound a month. If you subscribe, it's only a pound a month. All these articles. And you're one on Jota. Now, as you know, I despise praising you. I, I think it's it's just hideous. It hurts me. It cuts me to the quick. But your Jota article, I've guided everybody to. I had pundits asking me about Jota to Liverpool. What's that all about? Because from the outside, it sounds like you're selling your best player and the manager won't like it and I said no 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 there's a lot of thought behind it it's all explained in this excellent article so send them my way Jackie all your I would mates. imagine Roy, Roy, people Roy Keane Martin O'Neill just send them all this way come on yeah put it this way I think your article's regurgitated on Sky Sports News this morning um but no it is good so so people really do need to read that because the explanation in great detail is there and uh, and we wish Diogo Jota all the very best of luck now that's a player gone what we're fascinated in is the players coming in Kiana Hoover, thank you to the Wolves um, social media team for getting the player to pronounce his name. I wish all clubs would do this for us reporters and commentators who just want it from the player's mouth. Kiana Hoover, very, very exciting talent. I'm sorry I've been on YouTube and looked at highlights clips again, something I shouldn't do because they only tell part of a story. But tell us more. It's interesting that you don't like praising me because I, 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 just to point out, I like praising you all the time. I think you're an extremely professional uh, broadcaster who definitely wouldn't spend half an hour pre-podcast um, working out what's wrong with her technology before figuring out that she, that she left, <laughs> le- left the volume down on her headphones. That's <laughs> You've absolutely killed me though. <laughs> half an hour. So embarrassing. <laughs> change right. computers, change all the settings. Volume love, just the volume. There we go. <laughs> okay, Kiana, ah, I had to do it, you know I did. Right, Kiana yeah, Hoover. Cheers. So one, one. yeah, this is um, this is a nice part of Friday because you know people mortified about Jota going, but um, again another deal that's come around very quickly. So for people who don't know, he's eighteen. Uh, it's nine million pounds up front, then rising to thirteen and a half with add-ons, and Liverpool have inserted a fifteen percent sell-on. So people might remember that FA Cup game about 18 months ago against Liverpool at Molyneux when Wolves won 2-1 or 2-0. And he came on as a 16-year-old debutant. And I remember this clearly because, uh, what's his name? Lovren. can't remember his first name, doesn't matter. Lovren went off... Dayan, there you go. Went off injured. And then they brought this 16-year-old kid on who was earning £145 a week at that time. For his debut, and I remember thinking that Wolves' luck is in here. This 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 could be a thrashing. And you know what? He played really well. And there's been a clip doing the rounds on social media this week where he kind of ran out of his own penalty box and skipped past a couple of Wolves players and made it to halfway. And he's obviously got talent. You know, comes through the Ajax Academy, joined Liverpool two years ago. Only made four appearances, uh, all in the cups, including of course that Wolves game, and then I think another FA Cup and two Carabao Cup games. So. 18 months on from that debut, you know, highly rated Dutch defender. He wants to be playing. And obviously with Trent Alexander-Arnold ahead of him, 
at right back and the emergence also at Liverpool of Nico Williams. It wasn't really going to happen. So from what I gather, Juventus and Atletico Madrid both had a look at him in the summer but decided not to take it any further. And he's got two years, well, he had two years left on his contract. So Liverpool saw it as an ideal time to sell, really. You know, if he wants first-team football, if he's not necessarily going to get it, he's not going to sign a new contract. So so they're happy to sell. Wolves are happy to buy because he ticks all their boxes, really. I mean, he's young. Uh, it's not an extortionate fee. He's got bags and bags of potential. Um, he's technically very good. He's a born organiser, is how my colleague Jack Lang described him when he interviewed him um, as part of a series for the Under-17 World Cup, I think it was, late last year. I've tweeted that out a couple of times. It's well worth a read. And um, seems like an exceptional talent who's going to fit well into Wolves' system, either as a wing-back. I mean, he's primarily a right-back who likes to attack, but Wolves see him developing into a top-class centre-half in years to come, as does as does he, you know, from interviews he's he's done in the past. As always with Wolf signings, you know, this guy is professional, he's said to be very hard working, he's said to have not an ounce of arrogance about him, and he's very humble. And I asked Nuno about this on Friday because it just comes up so often about the importance of this kind of hard working professional, humble player. Uh, it might sound simple um to do it and of course it's not revolutionary you know other clubs always look at characters before they bring them in but but some don't you know they'll just sign the talent and fit the player by the player who fits the system on the pitch but Wolves kind of tend to sign players who fit the club as well and I think that's an underrated philosophy that's really kind of borne fruit in the past three years in terms of team spirit it really works for them with their harmonious sort of small squad um I don't see him being a first team regular especially with you know the imminent signing of Nelson Semedo but I do think he'll be on the he'll be on the bench every single week, and he'll get his opportunities to play. He'll certainly be playing more than he was at Liverpool, and you know, when once Nuno gets stuck into him, I think we'll see him emerge and develop quite quickly. Yeah, those questions, uh, the question that you asked Nuno about humble um, attitude, etc. And Nuno said the relationship and the friendship the players have is a good foundation for the squad. Uh, with Kiana, we have good information and good reports, so we're delighted, but his talent is immense, and this is what we want to develop and work on. And what Diogo and Matt gave us, we have to find in another team, so showing the progressive nature of, of this squad, which is very exciting that they're not they're not sitting on their laurels. So presumably when they signed him, this is what I'm interested in, because I don't know about you, but I thought, oh, they signed this great up-and-coming starlet from Liverpool who's just going to slot in at right wing back and improve Wolves and grow with Wolves and suddenly it's like oh no 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 at the end of that press conference he was like oh no no I want to sign another right wing back whoa okay another one so presumably Keanu Hoover who's moved to Wolves to play more football is happy coming knowing that Wolves are going to sign another right wing back to start every week or do we not know that for sure? No, I mean, he'll know because Nuno, is, is Nuno, as you know, is wanting to keep his cards close to his chest and he's come out in the press conference and said, we're going to sign a right wing back before Hoover's even in the door. He hasn't been announced at that point. So I think he'll be I think he'll be first sub in the defensive positions. I wonder if he's now edged ahead of Kilman in terms of being next on at centre-half. There was no centre-half on the bench at, at Sheffield. It was Vinagra and Oscar Burr were the two subs. And then, of course, you can drop Marcel or Dendonka back to centre-half as well. And no Kilman against Stoke either, which I thought was telling. Is he on his way? Um, I've not I've not heard a suggestion that he's on his way, but I guess he's getting to the age that, I mean, he'll want to be playing and I wonder if Wolves might move on without him, perhaps. Um, 
if if they're seeing if they're seeing Hoover as someone who could play centre half immediately, then he may have moved ahead of Kilman in in the pecking order. Um, yeah, Kilman's twenty three. I mean, he needs to play surely. Yeah, and also we need to see that we need to see how different because it's hard for me to compare. We need to see how different Hoover and Semedo are in terms of their abilities at wing back. You've got the Traore option as well, but it may be that Hoover's more attacking or more of an attacking threat than Semedo. Again, from four domestic cup appearances, it's hard to judge. But um, he'll certainly, Hoover will be in the match day squad every single week, in my opinion. Very exciting. Well, let's talk about Semedo then. I mean, how, I mean, at the time of recording, it's, what is it, Monday afternoon. So it may be that we know a little bit more. But you Expe- were thinking it, it wasn't going to gonna be confirmed until later this week. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's basically done. And I think it probably be today, to be honest, as in Tuesday. Uh-huh. It's, all, it's, all, it's all done. I mean, the this fe- is fe- extraordinary. Fe- I mean, over the weekend. And it's, yeah, all done. yeah. And no chance of anybody else coming in and nicking him now they know he's available. No. Uh, I mean... Sorry, I'm shaking my head a... because we're on Zoom. I actually forgot this is a podcast for a minute. <laughs> I should say no for the record. <laughs> yes, yeah, great nodding, Tim. Uh, this is extraordinary. I'm still trying to get my head around this, that Wolves are signing a right-back from actual Barcelona. I mean, George Mendes is his agent, which will come as a surprise to precisely nobody. But just tell us how this deal's come about, because the president of Barcelona had listed Tomato as being one of those players who they were adamant they weren't selling. What's changed? First of all, I think this is a, a tragedy, to be honest, that um, Hoover is not going to fill the vacuum left by Matt Doherty. Oh, my Come on! Days. No, that's good. Oh, my God. That was me thinking of making Hoover and Johnny gags, but I shouldn't. No, because that's a totally different podcast. And only if you're listening later tonight. So I'm just going to move on from that quickly. I but that, that was shocking. Bad. Oh, no, that was dreadful. God. Gutted. Oh, tough crowd. Really tough crowd. Uh, oh. Right, Samedo. Oh. He just <laughs> might do really well for the club. Yeah, sorry. Um, carry on. Uh, that's Even worse. <laughs> yeah, that was terrible. Um, Samedo. So, first off, Barca are selling because they need the money. Need to raise funds. Obviously, cash-strapped, biggest club in the world, Barcelona. Um, <laughs> so Wolverhampton <laughs> Wanderers are helping them out. Hang on, let's just hang on, hang on. Wolverhampton Wanderers are helping out cash-strapped Barcelona by relieving them of a player they're desperate to keep. I mean, just, just write down those words and frame them and stick them above your mantelpiece. Because I mean, what an age we live in. This is insane. It is insane. So they've been trying to sell him for a couple of years. Is my is my information, and that they've been looking to include him in deals in terms of part exchange and there's not really been any takers for him in the past in the past kind of two summers i mean we should be clear from minute 1 wolves are signing him because he's he's he struggled at barcelona you know they thought he'd be the heir to Danny Alves' throne, and it, it hasn't worked out that way. And I know it's like, it's you know, levels and all that, right? This is Barcelona and Wolves. Um, and just because he's not become Danny Alves' heir doesn't mean he's not going to do very, very well for Wolves. But um, he's played a lot, which is fantastic. Um, he's rotated a lot with Sergi Roberto at right back. He's They've sort of converted him from midfield uh, to fullback. Sergio Roberto. Um, he likes getting forward. He's very athletic. He scored a couple of goals, but when you're playing behind Messi, it's it's hard to shine, I guess, in terms of, in terms of um, goals and assists. You know, you just give him the ball, don't you, really? Um, so defensively, he was targeted a lot last season, and that's where he's mainly struggled. And that's why he's sort of been rotated with Sergio Roberto. However, in a settled system and formation where he knows his role week in, week out, with Let's be honest, familiar faces alongside him, 
uh, with all his Portuguese national teammates and Nuno And Nuno well. coaching the life out of him. Nuno's t- tutelage, exactly, mm. in a defined role. Uh, they believe he'll thrive and it's a lot of money, but he's ready-made. Um, he's got an awful lot of top-level experience and um, Wolves obviously playing a very different way to Barcelona. And let's be honest, Barcelona's been a bit of a train wreck at sometimes in the past couple of years. So I think maybe he'll, maybe he'll appreciate being out of that limelight a little bit more. It'd be interesting to see how attacking he will be. As discussed, you know his goals and assist record is is minimal, the same as Marcel on the on the other wing now for Wolves. So interesting to see how much of a license he's given. You know the amount of times we see Matt Doherty pop up in the six yard box or creeping at the back stick with a header. You know, is is um, is Semedo going to be told to stay deeper and let the likes of Dendonka, Vitinha, Neto, maybe even Neves push forward a bit more? You know, we'll see. Really interesting to see what happens. But yeah, it's a great signing. It feels like a sort of a statement of intent. It's one that's got the fans very, very excited, and I think he'll, I think he'll, he'll fit in. Yeah, I mean, he only averages around a goal a season, but his goals are pretty spectacular. It's more than me, and they're you. from. Are they, <laughs> speak for yourself. <laughs> goal in my garden, and but also they're from either side. I mean, he's not a solely right-footed player, excuse the pun. He's um, he's very much two-footed or ambipedal, as I discovered is a wonderful word recently, um, as Mason Greenwood is. And he can play on the left as well. But yeah, he can score a goal. So it depends how much licence he, he has. But a very exciting signing for Wolves. And perhaps this is why Wolves are quite so shocked when Wolves fans went into such a meltdown at the sale of Matt Doherty. Probably because Wolves fans weren't expecting an upgrade, if that's a fair word. I don't know if it is a fair word. Um, But somebody a little bit younger and with more versatility, perhaps, with a little bit more um, in their locker in terms of what they have to offer. Um, And Wolves fans less concerned now about the involvement of George Mendes, as perhaps they have been in the last few weeks. Some of them, only some. Uh, I haven't seen much concern about Mendes for for a few years, really, since... since, um... Well, some are concerned and, about and, and, about the you know Portugal business. I don't know. We'll talk about the kit in a minute, which makes you think. Well, they're not so fussed at all. But but some are not so happy that it's turning into Portugal FC, and maybe it's just very very small minority. But I think it's in the back of people's minds the Mendes involvement, just way less well, so I when mean, he pulls off an amazing signing. He's right there, isn't he? And uh, we've well, I've been talking about this for four years. You know, the, the ethics of it are. Your personal preference as a fan, really, if you mind an agent having such such power over a club. But what you can't argue with is his record in terms of bringing players to Wolves uh, for the first team. You know, there's been a lot of under-23 flops, but first team-wise, it's been an extremely high success rate. And a lot of them have been extremely cheap. Um, and we'll see in the next couple of years. I always kind of say it's on the horizon with Mendes, you know, when once these players move on and once Nuno moves on. That's what I'd worry. But for the time being, he's bringing players of very good quality to Wolves. And in terms of an upgrade on Doherty, more athletic, I would say, and certainly more top-level experience and used to the pressure. Not that Doherty uh, struggled with the pressure, but I'm just you know, saying he's got it, he's ready-made, play for Barcelona, play for Portugal, play at the top level in a glaring spotlight at the new camp. You don't, it doesn't get much more glaring than that. So... Um, Remains to be seen if he's an upgrade, but Wolves certainly think so. Does he speak English, do you know? He reckons the English. I don't know. Or Scouse is what I'm thinking, really, because he's got kind of Cody who's going to be uh, organising him, isn't he? They all speak, they all speak a bit. All the, all, every Portuguese 
guy that's come in has spoken some. But it's less of an issue, right? Because most of the people at the club are Portuguese. So. Of course. No, I am thinking from a Conor Cody point of view, but he'll he'll make sure he's at home. And uh, Vitinha, talk to me about Vitinha, please, and his potential role in the side. He had um, he had a tidy, tidy debut against Stoke, albeit a horrible game to play in. And an even worse game to watch. My eyes were bleeding in the second half. I had blood Do you think it was that dripping bad, down my really? cheeks. It was horrible. It wasn't um, that bad. Just, it's yeah, just the you, Wolves couldn't you, you crack it in the final comfort third. Your, are you living room or comfort yeah, on your did. sofa? Oh, don't complain um, you were at the game, right? Don't go complaining you have to go to these games. We're desperate well, I say, to get it. I say it was right there. There's no, no filter for me. It was right there, right in front of me. It was disgusting. <laughs> I, I, I didn't enjoy it at all. It was disgusting. horrible. They had 150... Oh. The, the team was worth 150 million that finished yeah. that game. I mean, wow, um, seriously. So one, one shot on target oh. against Stoke. Against Stoke reserves. They didn't even have Danny Bart in the team. I mean, come on. <laughs> Happy birthday, was, Danny uh, Bart, on Monday, by the way. Happy birthday, Danny. So that was... Uh, no, shocking. They... I thought Silva had a good debut, actually. I wrote a piece on that last week. He was he was better than people gave him credit for. People just saw the highlights and saw that he missed from six yards and thought, what a waste of money. But come on. They didn't really think that. Come on. Surely. Some idiots did, Jackie. And I hope they don't really? listen to this podcast. He's um, 18 <laughs> making his debut against Stoke in the Carabao Cup. Come on. It's not, not, the, kind of, not the kind of listener we want, really. Um, <laughs> he, um, no, I, I think thought yourself he did really will well. take anyone. His, <laughs> Desperate for those figures, come on. He um Rating his ho- his hold up play reminded me of Jimenez, and that's the biggest compliment I can pay him. Yes, against Stoke reserves, but his, his teammates were doing sod all, so you've got to praise him where it's due. He came deep, he linked the play really intelligently, he found space extra found space better than Neil Armstrong, Jackie. That's how uh, that's so good. Hey, was that better, was it? <laughs> <laughs> Much better. <laughs> and um <laughs> He showed a lot of promise and a lot of maturity for an 18-year-old. So the finishing will come. I'm not worried about that. I thought he did well. If, if, he, if, happy. If, he, if he, sorry, I was going to say, if he signed for five million and he had that debut, people would be saying oh, that's really promising. But he's got this tag on his head. I feel sorry for him in that respect. But hey, he's got to deal with it. It's all about potential. It's not about what happens in his very first game. He's been signed for a reason, and they haven't just paid that amount of money for a bloke who doesn't have a vast, vast amount of potential, and he will have been scouted to the hill. But nice for him that another 18-year-old first-teamer has come in in Hoover. Yes, and I completely ignored your question, which I don't do often. But Vitinha did, did play well. He was very tidy. It wasn't the best game for him. It was a, it was a packed area of the pitch. And I think there's more to come for him in terms of technical ability and breaking towards the box. But didn't do anything wrong and some really nice touches. And yeah, the, you're right. There's a good group of them now, a little generation there of sort of 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds. Yeah, and in terms of what it does for the midfield... You touched on it a little bit before about having the wing backs who are perhaps not quite as flying, not quite as attacking as we're used to in Doherty and Johnny. Um, what will that do for the likes of Dendonka in his role this season and Neves and Martinho, do you think? Yeah, I mean, Dendonka, again, I was looking up his stats. I mean, he scored four times last season, but only from 20 shots. And I think they're wanting, that's a good, that's a good ratio. It's the best ratio of anyone in the squad, by the way, um, in terms of he scored with 20% of his shots. No one can top that. So there's potential there. He's, he said himself in the past that he wants more goals. And I, th- I just think we saw a glimpse of it against Sheffield United. You know, it was only for the first half because they were sat so deep in the second half under pressure and playing on the break with Saiz bombing up 80 yards upfield. But um, we saw a glimpse of it in the first half of how they're looking to play, I think, this season and more of a licence from the midfield. Neto, Dendonka pushing on, fluidity with the forwards and the wing-backs sort of sat... A little bit deeper, certainly in Marcel's case on Monday. And we'll see. The interesting thing for me is where does Traore fit, fit into all this? Because at the moment, I do not have an answer. 
What about that third kit, by the way? All these people saying FC Portugal, Wolves fans lapping it up and signing and buying those kits in their absolute droves. It is a thing of beauty, isn't it? Yeah, it's so blatant, isn't it? Our fair play, like you can't argue with the marketing <laughs> logic, can you? And it's yeah, brilliant. Look at the- Look at the numbers. Well done, That's Russell Jones and co. It's wonderful, wonderful. It's good. It looks smart. I like it. The badge could have been gold or maybe white. But apart from that, I, th- I thought it's pretty flawless. Yeah, badge being gold. That's a really good point. Now, is it just me or is the second kit growing on you? You know, the one with the, the no, blue don't let, don't and white clouds. Oh, it's growing on me. It. The first time I saw it, I thought, what the bejesus is that? I don't know what that is in Portuguese. What on earth is that? And now I keep seeing it. And I saw it on the Wolves women at the weekend. I was thinking, oh, that looks good. Maybe it's because on the Wolves women. I don't know. It looks great. Your, your head's in the clouds, Jackie. You're, you're, you're <laughs> it's the blue sky thinking I've got now after a few days. <laughs> after a weekend on the darts. I'm thinking this kit's nice. I must have must have drunk too much. Um, anyway, I quite like it. But talking about the Wolves women, congratulations to them on their opening 6-0 victory away to Leafield Athletic in the Division 1 Midlands. That's the fourth tier. Remember, they were robbed of promotion due to the curtailment of last season. Null and voided. But six new signings, five of whom signed from clubs in higher divisions. They are going going for it. Dan McNamara, Anna Price and the crew are going for it. Unfortunately, it looks as though this weekend's first home match of the season is going to be played behind closed doors at Old Wolfroonians, but I'd say follow at Wolves Women and the club's website for the latest on that with uh, coronavirus. We don't know where we stand, but uh, good luck to them. And Wolfpack Howlers, I have to say... I don't know if you hear some of their music. I absolutely yep. love it. Liam sent me some tracks. I'm so sorry. We're coming back from the darts late last night. I haven't had a chance to listen to them all. Absolutely love their work. So get on to at Wolfpack A-W-E. Absolutely beautiful tracks. And I just think they need to do the Wolves Women Do and We Don't Regret It um, from uh, Natalie Cole. That's my suggestion. As long um, as they don't get you on backing vocals, they'll be fine. No, absolutely. Anything else to add, Spiders? Well, actually, I did a bit of maths beforehand on Wolves' transfer business so far, which I think is just worth highlighting um, yes, as we go into the last few weeks of the window. So with Nelson Semedo set to come in for £29 million, Wolves have spent £79.5 million this window. Far more than I thought they would, considering... Including Semedo. Including, including Semedo. Yeah. And this is this is the total amount of all their deals, if all add-ons are included, etc. This is the amount of money they've committed to potentially spending. is £79.5 million on Fabio Silva, Nelson Semedo, Kiana Hoover, Fernando Marcel... And then Vitini is obviously coming on loan, not cost much for now. Out, so £79 million pounds, uh, in, out in terms of players, but in terms of money, £80 million. So they made a tidy five grand profit, let's go spending, let's go champagne bar, on Diogo Jota, Helder Costa, which people forget, for £20 million this summer, Matt Doherty for 15, that equals 80. And then you've also got Gibbs White and Jordao on loan, which is five players out, five players in for basically the same amount of money. And if you look at those players that have come and gone, I think you'd say Wolves have upgraded their squad. Hi there, I'm David Ornstein, host of the Athletics Ornstein and Chapman podcast. And I'm here to tell you about Manscaped, the expert in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. And Manscaped has just launched in the UK, We've gone years without using the right tools for the job, so you can be one of the first men in the country to experience Manscaped's life-changing products. 
Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents, and the water resistant technology also allows you to groom whilst in the shower. And we've got a special offer right now for all of you listening to this podcast. Get 20% off and free shipping by using the code EPL20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using the code EPL20. Happy shaving. And you can also listen to me on the Ornstein and Chapman podcast. It's myself, Mark Chapman, and the Athletics stable of expert writers, bringing you unrivaled insight into the biggest stories in the game every single week. Tim, please tell us what you're planning on writing about this week. Well, what aren't I writing about, Jackie? There will be something on... Um, I had a little look at Daniel Pedence from from Monday night's game that should be online today for people to read. And then as and when Nelson Semedo becomes a Wolves player, um, done a bit of a profile on him, what he can bring to the team and the club. And um, there'll be something on Keanu Hoover as well at some point, um, putting together a bit of a background on him so people can find out all about these shiny, lovely new players. And lots more to come, Jackie, as always. Yeah, so disappointment in the end against Manchester City, but plenty of reasons for optimism. Thank you so much, Tim. Cheers, Jackie. And we'll be back with you this time next week, Tuesday morning, on your regular podcast platform. In the meantime, do make sure you're reading all of Tim's content because it really is fabulous. And for goodness sake, it's only a pound a month. There is no reason for you not to be a subscriber (laughs) to The Athletic. It's a pound a month, for goodness sake. You get all the wonderful podcasts, ad-free, all the articles from Tim, David Ornstein and all the other fabulous writers, ad-free. We'll be with you same time next week. Bye for now. 